some cruel trick of fortune, this man had been cheated of his birthright. The day was still young when the stranger gained the top of the first hill where the road turns to make its steep and winding way down through scattered pines and scrub oak to the burnt ranch. Behind him, the little city, so picturesque in its mountain basin with the wild, unfenced land coming down to its very dooryards, was slowly awakening after the last mad night of its celebration. The tents of the tawdry shows that had tempted the crowds with vulgar indecencies, and the booths that had sheltered the petty games of chance, where loud-voiced criers had persuaded the multitude with the hope of winning a worthless bauble or a tinsel toy, were being cleared away from the borders of the plaza, the beauty of which their presence had marred. In the plaza itself, which is the heart of the town, and is usually kept with much pride and care, the bronze statue of the vigorous rough rider Bucky O'Neill and his spirited charger seemed pathetically out of place among the litter of colored confetti and exploded fireworks, and the refuse from various treats and lunches left by the celebrating citizens and their guests. The flags and bunting that from window and roof and pole and doorway had given the day its gay note of color hung faded and listless, as though spent with their gaiety and mutely conscious that the spirit and purpose of their gladness was past, they waited the hand that would remove them to the ash barrel and the rubbish heap. Pausing, the man turned to look back. For some minutes he stood as one who, while determined upon a certain course, yet hesitates, reluctant and regretful, at the beginning of his venture. Then he went on, walking with a certain reckless swing, as though, in ignorance of the land toward which he had set his face, he still resolutely turned his back upon that which lay behind. It was as though, for this man, too, the gala day with its tinseled bravery and its confetti spirit was of the past. A short way down the hill the man stopped again, this time to stand half-turned with his head in a listening attitude. The sound of a vehicle approaching from the way whence he had come had reached his ear. As the noise of wheels and hoofs grew louder, a strange expression of mingled uncertainty, determination, and something very like fear came over his face. He started forward, hesitated, looked back, then turned doubtfully toward the thinly wooded mountainside. Then, with tardy decision, he left the road and disappeared behind a clump of oak bushes, an instant before a team and buckboard rounded the turn and appeared in full view. An unmistakable cattleman, grizzly-haired, square-shouldered, and substantial, was driving the wild-looking team. Beside him sat a motherly woman and a little boy. As they passed the clump of bushes, the near horse of the half-broken pair gave a cat-like bound to the right against his tracemate. A second jump followed the first with flash-like quickness and this time the frightened animal was accompanied by his companion, who, not knowing what it was all about, jumped on general purposes. But, quick as they were, the strength of the driver's skillful arms met their weight on the reins and forced them to keep the road. "'You blamed fools!' the driver chided good-naturedly as they plunged ahead. "'Been raised on a cow ranch to get scared at a calf in the brush?' Very slowly the stranger came from behind the bushes. Cautiously he returned to the road. His fine lips curled in a curious mocking smile.
but it was himself that he mocked, for there was a look in his dark eyes that gave to his naturally strong face an almost pathetic expression of self-depreciation and shame. As the pedestrian crossed the creek at the burnt ranch, Joe Conley, leading a horse by a riata, which was looped as it had fallen about the animal's neck, came through the big corral gate across the road from the house. At the barn, Joe disappeared through the small door of the saddle room, the coil of the riata still in his hand, thus compelling his mount to await his return. At sight of the cowboy, the stranger again paused and stood hesitating in indecision. But as Joe reappeared from the barn with bridle, saddle blanket, and saddle in hand, the man went reluctantly forward as though prompted by some necessity. "'Good morning,' said the stranger, courteously, and his voice was the voice that fitted his dress and bearing.